streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and I am at Folsom Field where Washington was defeated by Colorado 20 to 17 in front of an announced attendance of 41,284. Pretty mild day at Folsom Field. We got a little bit of hail, which was kind of surprising. A little bit of rain, a little bit of wind. We got a little bit of everything. A little bit of sunshine too, but, uh, just an interesting day at Folsom Field with Coach Bob Gregory again at the helm, but, um, Story of the game, Chris Fetters, turnovers. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you, you know, they had 426 yards of total offense, career day from Dylan Morris uh, through the air. But when you lose the turnover battle by four and you give up red zone scores and you give up the ball on your own end inside your own, what, 15, 20 yard line. Um, those, those are things that you can't come back from, especially when you are struggling to find some semblance of an offense. And let me, they set, just, up what, let me set up what happened on that first drive because Colorado got there, the drive and they went down the field and were held to a field goal and Washington just seemed to be marching down the field effortlessly. And I don't know what happened on that fumble. Did you, you know, they showed the replay, but it just looked like a bunch of guys and all of a sudden a guy's running down the field with the football. What happened? Anybody know? Uh, Scott, Scott might be well, able to tell you because yeah. it looked to me like it was just a, uh, it was a miscommunication or something, but it just didn't look right from the yeah. start. I mean, so Dylan Morris is under center. They've got a single back in. They've got a, I mean, they're going to run the ball. I mean, everybody knows they're running the ball. Jack Westover is in the, is in the backfield and, um, acts like it's weird because Jack Westover acts like he's like the snap went over his head or something. I don't know what that was about, but basically it looked like, Luke Wattenberg snapped the ball when Dylan Morris wasn't ready for it because it comes right up through between his hands, hits him in the face, and then goes backwards. And they fumble the ball. Nate Lamb, uh, Nate, uh, Nick, is it Nick Lamb or what? Uh, Jack, whatever. Jack, Jack Lamb. Lamb. Sorry, Jack Lamb picks it up and goes 88 yards the other way. 14 point swing right there. Yeah, and uh. Washington was marching down the field and they, they were, uh, had a pretty offensive, you know, uh, series going there, but, uh, you know, they just seemed to shoot themselves in the foot. The other fumble, you know, was at the third quarter or the fourth quarter, the fumble, um, down near the goal line was that just a botched snap as well. That, I, I that wasn't even a fumble. Yeah, that was, that was total that was, botched snap. Yeah, that was Wattenberg snapping it into his left thigh. At, and if you watch it, he's pulling. He's pulling to his left, so he's more concerned about getting to his spot than rather um, making sure the snap goes through. It happens to to guys all the time. It was just a real oper- inopportune time for it to happen to to Washington at their own seven. Yeah, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, Washington held them to 183 yards. And uh, you know, take a look at this stat, guys. 84 plays by Washington. Is that, that's gotta be a season high. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If it's, if it's not the Arkansas State game, it's definitely gotta be this game. 84 for 426 yards. And, you know, defensively, they played pretty well. You know, 52, uh, plays for Colorado for 183 yards, but 
they weren't able to make the stops when it happened, um, you know, with uh, Colorado on their final drive. Well, well, it was the third to final drive, but yeah, it's that that was brutal, and and um, I'm calling it my play of the game, and it, you know, there are a lot of things that led to Washington's loss. It isn't just this one, but Washington, it's third and eight. Uh, Brendan Lewis throws it to the left side. He goes for seven yards and the guy, they're short and they're going to punt. But Cooper McDonald comes off the edge and takes two steps and hits Lewis after he throws the ball and called for a 15 yard penalty. Now I'm not a big fan of that. I think it, I, I, you know, it, it is, but it's the rule and he knows that and you can't take steps and there's no reason that he even needed to hit him, but he did hit him. And, uh, that gave them 15 more yards and that spurred them on to their, to that 90 yard drive. Other than that, uh, you know, they showed a stat up on the, on the TV. Um, Colorado went 58 yards on their first drive and ended up with three points until that 90 yard drive. They had gone, they had had like eight series that resulted in 59 yards total. So yeah. other than that 90 yard drive, Washington, had done a heck of a job defensively. And then all of a sudden, Bookie gives up on a third down play uh, that could have tackled the guy. It probably would have still gone for a first down. The guy ends up getting like eight more yards out of it because Bookie just kind of olays it. Stopped. Yeah, it just, yeah, it just stopped. completely stopped. And then, you know, Washington doesn't make a couple plays when they have the chance down inside their 10. And I really, I mean, Chris, now, Kim, you, I, I don't know where you were on the field, but Chris, I don't know about you, but I thought – Carson Bruner had a great angle on Lewis on that touchdown run. He did. He just, you know, it's just strength on strength and he was, it was a leverage play and he was able to out leverage him. Um, it's tough, you know, tough play for Bruner. He should have had him, but you know, at that point, you know, the way that drive's going, reminiscent of OSU, reminiscent of yeah. UCLA, reminiscent of when they need of, to get a stop. Yeah. Yeah. No, reminiscent of Oregon, reminiscent of ASU, reminiscent of almost any loss. Outside of maybe Michigan that you can, you can pin on Washington right now is that was as dominant a defensive performance, I think, all season long for the defense. But yet when they absolutely needed to get off the field, they couldn't do it. And that, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. That, that 26 yard run by Broussard was just brutal. I yeah. mean, Washington was so out of, out of their lanes. They had done so well all night and then all of a sudden they get out of their lanes and it's such a crucial time. This is, this is what happens to teams who are bad and that, yep. that's what happens. Yep. Yeah. Washington held, uh, Colorado's 71 yards rushing, but, uh, I thought they did a really good job on, uh, Brendan Lewis. And I don't know if you guys could see on TV, but there was a series in the second half where three times in a row, Cooper McDonald got him twice, and then uh, Carson Bruner came in after he threw the ball, and he was pretty beat up after those three plays. And I'm guessing on that last one that with uh, Cooper McDonald getting the roughing penalty, there was a little bit of frustration because he'd come so close. But still, you know, you you got to use your head on those kind of plays. So well, they have to. Uh, he has to understand the situation. Situation is you're getting off the field, and you you need to get off the field because you're behind in the game. So that that's just yeah that's just one of those things you have to you have to be able to understand and and play with some discipline and that you know unfortunately that showed zero discipline on that particular play and it's again it's really unfortunate to highlight some of the defensive issues because the defense was absolutely not the problem tonight <laughs> not even close to the problem they were they're about 10th on the list of the problems that Washington has right now 
Well, you know, you take a look at the offensive stats and, you know, if you just take took a look at the stat sheet, you know, and scratch out, kind of, you know, erase the turnovers, you know, Washington, you know, was the better team out there today minus the turnovers. You know, and I, I take a look at the Dylan Morris's number. You know, Dylan was 33 of 52 uh, with for 387 yards, two touchdowns, um, but he had two interceptions as well. But let me just throw some interesting stats at you guys because this has been driving me nuts all season. When you take a look, Romo Dunsey, and it sounds like he had a good game, 15 targets. So he had nine receptions for 68 yards. So 68 yards on nine receptions. 48 yards after catch. And so they're just throwing these little little passes where Devin Culp uh, had six catches for 83 yards and only 15 after the catch. But it just seems like if it's third and nine, they're throwing it four yards and hoping the guy gets five or six. But just the quick dump downs, and they just seem to not want to attack the center of the field at all. And I, I know Kate Otten being out doesn't help the matter either. Well, I, I thought they did attack the middle of the field quite a bit today. And it, and it was, I think that's why they had success throwing the ball. And realistically, Kim, I, I, and I know what you're saying, Kim, they, they throw the ball short, but that didn't really happen today. I, when, when it was, when they were, fa- I mean, that the, the, uh, announcers, you know, which included Lincoln Kennedy, by the way, um, the, the announcers made jokes that when Washington was facing a four, a third and one, that they were in uncharted territory because all the ones that they were getting was were like third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, third and thirteen, and they were ended up getting huge plays down the field. So I would disagree with you, Kim, on your observation that they didn't attack the middle of the field today. Uh, that has been a problem all season, but today I don't think that was the issue. Yeah, Dylan Morris, just uh, tell me what you saw out of Dylan today, Chris. I saw a guy that. Was in command of the offense, um, did a lot of really, really good things, and then basically would undo everything with one play. Um, you know, on the, on the pick that was picked in the end zone by Colorado, he had Kamari Pleasant there for an easy first down. Um, you know, or, for a or guy, if he leads Jalen McMillan, that's a touchdown. Yeah. Or, but bottom line is he's a guy that has been basically, he's been pummeled to the earth with, Check down. You know, this is what Kim's talking about. Check it down. Take the easy money. You know, that's why everyone's talking about they don't have a downfield game. And, you know, he's not accurate with his deep passes because they don't work on it and they don't have this and that and the other thing. The one time where you do need him to check down and just kind of manage the game, because, again, 426 total yards, 387 through the air. If you just manage this game, you win 17-3. to because because Colorado got 17 points through those four turnovers, you win yeah. 17 to three, and it looks more like what the stats suggest. Even though 426 yards to get 17 points is just anemic on its own, but that that does fall in line with what Washington has been like this year. They've been able to move the ball from time to time, but they just don't score. They can't punch the ball in the end zone. But Dylan Morris, going back to him. He had so many things that went right for him and so many, but he will absolutely undo all of his good work with just a blown play. Like for instance, the tip, the tipped uh, pick, that was a, that was a counter or something that absolutely blew up. It looked like the running back didn't know what he was supposed to do. And so all, all Morris was trying to do was throw that thing away, but he was trying to still make a play and he should have just thrown the ball away. That's what you're taught to do. That's what he was supposed to do. 
But in the heat of the moment, lack of discipline, whatever you want to call it, just, 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 I don't know, thought he, thought he could make a play where there was something where it just wasn't there and ends up turning the ball over. And again, it was just, uh, it was just a, a symptom of the entire day and, and how they would go two, three steps forward and then take a couple big steps back with a turnover or just some boneheaded holding penalty or something that would put them behind behind schedule. And Scott's right. I mean, 14 to 21 on third downs, guys, they were executing at a high level, but they were putting themselves behind the chain so many times. It just made the offense look like they had to struggle for every single yard they got. Scott, running game, they just couldn't get it going there either. Cameron yeah. Davis with 12 carries for 29 yards and Kamari Pleasant, six carries for eight yards. Uh, we saw a little bit of JV on Sunday, three carries for six yards. And, you know, those aren't numbers that are going to pop out to anybody. Yeah, they aren't. But I think part of it was because they were having so much success at passing the ball that they decided just to throw it. I mean, why does Dylan Morris throw it 52 times? Now, some of that could be, I, I think it was because Colorado did what every other team has done against Washington. And that is they loaded the box against the Huskies. And for once, Washington decided to throw the ball instead of run, keep ramming their head into a, a brick wall. Um, you know, there were a couple key nice runs by the tailbacks, but yeah, I mean, the, the running game just isn't what you need it to be. And it's, it has to all season. Yeah, uh, more on the running backs or more on the offensive line, and don't say both, Scott. I'm sorry, what? I didn't. You more cut the, out. More on the running backs or more on the offensive line? You can't say. Oh, both. absolutely, offensive line. Absolutely, the offensive line. They they just Luke Wattinger seems to get pushed back quite a bit by by the guy lining up over him. Jackson Kirkland um, had really struggled. Henry Bainavalo, I thought looked okay, not great. MJ Ali looked okay, not great. Vic Kern, you know, I, it's just, I, I don't know what has happened to this team. Um, it can't just be the players because these same players no, were the ones having not. success. It's the coaching and play calling and all those different things. And I just, I, I think this team is struggling. And why, like we said earlier, this is a bad team and these kind of things happen to bad teams. Well, I'm going to take it one step further. You know, I, yeah, the players, Coaching, I just think the offensive scheme, I think is just horrible and you can't change it mid season. I think it's just a bad offensive scheme. Dylan Morris looking for wide receivers downfield and nobody open. They're looking to get running lanes. They're just not there. It just seems like a poorly, poorly, poorly designed offense. And I don't think there's any way around that. I'm, you know, and I still think with the guys that they've got on the offensive line, the guys that they have running back, you know, with a proper scheme, this could be a lot better offense than what we've seen. So, you know, coaching scheme, I don't know, you know, you could take those two and probably say they're the same thing, but I just think that they don't have enough tools in their toolbox right now. And the ones that they do just don't seem to work very well. I guess, I, I, I don't know, 426 yards off. It's now Colorado's bad on defense. I get that. Um, but you're on the road. You're not, you're not playing in friendly territory. You're playing on grass. Um, you know, there's so many things that this, this team could point to offensively and look at and say, okay, we, we could have done that all year long. I thought Junior Adams had some great schemes and I thought initially, like on that first drive, he used some of the screen plays and some of the dump downs, some of those things in such a creative way when, when Colorado did want to try to maybe blitz or put some heat on Morris. It looked fantastic until the scoop and score. It really did. It looked like, okay, this is, 
you know, they're starting to kind of rally and get it and maybe the, the things finally clicked and then all of a sudden that happens. And, and Scott's absolutely right. Fundamentally speaking, when you really break it down to its essence, that's what, that's what happens to bad teams. They, they do this, they do that, they look good, they do whatever, and then they revert back to whatever they were because that's who they are. It's not just what they do, it's who they are. Also saw Patrick O'Brien today got in for a couple of series, didn't amount to much. Yeah, wasted two series, honestly, and cause Dylan Morris I thought was playing pretty well, um, when he came in and that just wasted two series. This is nothing against Patrick O'Brien, he just, I mean, it's hard to come in cold and get out there and especially, I mean, uh, Colorado just started blitzing him and he, he doesn't have the foot speed to get out there and do anything. Not that Dylan Morris does either, but I, I thought, I look, I'm sure it was scripted and I'm sure they said, it Hey, was. yeah, I'm, I'm sure they said Patrick planned to go on in the third and fourth series, no matter what. And, uh, but. When Dylan Morris is playing well and driving the team up and down the field, and then to go two, three and outs, those were the only two and three and outs that I that I can remember of the game for Washington. What, what's really weird down here um, at Colorado is there's no room on the sidelines. There is no room, and um, Patrick O'Brien, there's no room even to warm up. I mean, when the kickers want to warm up. They have to wait until there's a timeout. They move the net out onto the field so that they can do that. Same with the long snapper. The same with Patrick O'Brien. He didn't get a chance to warm up before he went in. There's nowhere on the sidelines to warm up. That's how tight it is. And the bench is against the back wall, which isn't very deep off of the sidelines. And uh, fans can actually just kind of reach down and touch you. That's how tight it is. But I've always found that odd here for me to get to the other end, one end of the field to the other. I actually have to go up into the stands and go up around. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of odd because he didn't have a chance to warm up at all. But uh, with Patrick O'Brien getting serious today, I mean, we're on red alert, you know, before the game watching Sam Hewitt. Is Sam going to play today? What does this mean for next week in the Apple Cup, Scott? Oh, I think I think Dylan Morris starts and Sam Hewitt gets some some reps. Yeah, I, mean, see, I think you, I think I think he starts. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Nothing would surprise me anymore. But I, you know, but I don't again, know. no, I if I had to actually bet on it, I bet Dylan Morris starts. But this will tell you how dysfunctional this offense is because when Patrick O'Brien came in, my first thought was, okay, that clearly means that they're keeping the red shirt on Sam Heward, which, you know, we talked about earlier today, you know, um, pregame Scott, which was just like, yeah. you know, we, we kind of, t- I, I tossed kind of, I had the internal dialogue externally and, and talked about the pros and cons on both sides, but I really did feel like I was not going to see Sam Heward today and was obviously proven correct, but you know, it really does go to show that they're they're doing everything they can, obviously, to, to keep the red shirt on him, and rightly so, I think. That that makes sense to me. But yeah, when when O'Brien came out, my first thought wasn't, Oh, hey, Patrick O'Brien, I hope he does well. It was more like Patrick O'Brien, this means that Sam Hewitt's red shirting. That's what it told me. Um yeah. but it does show you how dysfunctional the whole situation is that Sam Hewitt could conceivably start. There's obviously so many Washington fans that would want that to happen, and rightly so. There's, you know, there's all sorts of evidence you could point to that says, well, Sam Heward could give them arguably as good a chance to win as, as Dylan Morris or even better. But how, how often would you say that after a guy literally has a career day and throws for 387 yards, you know, and, 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 and does all those things, but yet there is a chance that another guy could start. And that really does go to the root of the problem and just how dysfunctional and just how bad this offense is right now. 
I guess you have to make a decision if you're playing for today or if you're playing for the future. And, you know, they're not no longer bowl eligible. So that's off the table. But I just think Sam playing a lot of snaps or even starting and having a full game, I think the benefits down the road would be gigantic. You know? Well, it so, would. And, and him being able to, him being able to, um, redshirt. I mean, do I, if, if Sam Heward is everything we think he's going to be, he's not going to be here a full four years anyway, but him being able to redshirt actually does a good thing for the new coaching staff that's going to be coming in. They've got a guy who could be here four seasons, be 20, he'd be 24, 25, I'm sorry, 22 or 23 when he graduates rather than a guy who just burned his redshirt, you know? So I, I think Washington, I think, the staff actually did the the incoming staff a a a a, a service by doing that. Yeah, um, Apple Cup coming up, and uh, when was the last time Washington State won the Apple Cup, Chris? Do you know off the top of your head? I can't even. It's remember. been a while. It, um, it might it was, be the uh, 2012. Nope, it was. Oh, it was it, it was one? the comeback. It was the Sark one. Oh, that's and the where, one with the where the big guy got the ball and rumbled. Yeah. And, well, yeah. We're, we're, with the stupid head bob call by the by the referees yeah. on Keith Price, and and uh, they missed the field goal, and yeah. But essentially, you're I talking think, what ten games? Yep. I think that was the uh, game, Chris, where when we got off the plane in Spokane and we got our rental car. It was a bad omen because the rental car was a burgundy color. Oh, huh? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you remember those details. I don't. But <laughs> yeah, they should, but Washington details. State will definitely be favored. I mean, and that's probably the first time in a very long time, especially yeah. going to Seattle and playing. But, yeah, wa- you know, th- this is the best case scenario for Washington State right now because they're bowl eligible. Washington isn't. And they'll have, they'll, they'll have, Everything to crow about, maybe win or lose. Then it still may not even the result of this game might even may not even matter. So, what, what, just a little info: Washington's won ten of the last eleven, going back to two thousand nine. They didn't play last season, so um, the the last uh, game was Washington beating Washington State thirty one thirteen at Husky Stadium, and um, you know so Washington's won seven in a row. And, uh, this year would be eight in a row and the longest winning streak. I think, I think it would tie for the longest winning streak in the, in the series. I know everybody's gonna be curious, you know, starting first thing in the morning about the coaching search, but, uh, Mel Tucker, you know, uh, you know, is a name that's been linked to a lot of different jobs out there. And boy, last I looked, he was down 42 to nothing in the second quarter after rumors of a 10 year, nine and a half million, uh, dollar contract. So, uh, can you imagine well, nine and a half million dollar contract a, a year? A year, yeah, ninety-five million over ten years. Can you yeah. imagine the regions at Michigan State? You know, after that thing get, gets oh, going. Oh, geez, come on, it's one game. One yeah, game. you tell the fans that. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, was, I, it ended up fifty-six to seven. By the if, way, if I was Tucker, I'd be making a call to my agent at halftime, making damn sure that contract got signed. <laughs> damn right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, coaching search. Um, you know, I, I know everybody, it's funny, everybody's trying to get an inside scoop on this. And, you know, we like to have people come to the site. We like the page views and all this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you right now, nobody's got an insight on this. Nobody. Now, Jen Cohen has this thing on absolute lockdown. And I have it from a pretty good source that there's only four people in the entire process who know what's going on. Um, 
That's it, just four. And none of those four people are going to leak anything. And a lot of what's going on out there is that there's a lot of agents out there for coaches just leaking names, trying to get either extensions or more money or create competition for the coaches that are out there. So um, I wouldn't believe anything that's out there. I still have a real hard time buying the Bob Stoops thing and anything else. Like I said, if anybody says they know what's going on in the coaching search, that's the person you don't want to All the people to. I have asked around about have said they, they don't know where the Bob Stoops stuff came from. They don't believe it, it's happened either, and there are people who would know. So, yeah, yeah, this, I, well, I don't believe I, that. I, I agree 100% with Kim, honestly. I think at this point, anybody that's reporting stuff, and I, I, it doesn't matter if it's us or if it's Feldman or if it's whoever it is, John Wilner, any of the national guys, whoever it is, if they're commenting on the coaching search, chances are they're probably getting information from agents because they certainly aren't getting yep, information yeah. from UW. That, I mean, that, and, that to me, that should be, that should be an absolute given for any fan that's trying to actually get concrete information. Just understand that when the media says so and so is, is interested or, or Washington has so an interest in so and so, just understand that information's not coming from UW. It's coming from the other end of that of the uh, and of the telephone re- call. And there's a reason yeah. agents put that stuff out, like Kim of outlined. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. oh yeah, Jimmy Sexton. There you go. <laughs> Just look up Jimmy Sexton. CUE represents. And by the way, that's Jimmy's agent too. So, yep. um, yeah, no, they're out there, you know, and guys that are securing their jobs. I'm. I have a feeling some of the head coaches that are represented by Jimmy Sexton and the likes don't even know their agents are putting their names out there, you know, because they're just trying to negotiate, you know, a better deal for their clients. But there's nobody that knows what's going on. And I refer back to when they uh, were looking for the coach to replace Lorenzo Romar. Nobody knew that deal. So um, I was talking to Will Conroy um, earlier this week, and I because he says he's asking me, "Did you hear anything on the coaching search?" And I said, "Well." How much notice did you get before it went public that Mike Hopkins was going to be hired by Jen Cohen and his staff? And he laughed and said, an hour? And I pretty much expect the same thing. When there's a coaching decision, the people on the staff, they'll get about an hour's notice. That's about it. So, um, Actually, the staff a- probably won't even get a heads up. <laughs> they may not. But honestly, guys, I think to me that the biggest speculation is who is in Jen's inner circle. Because I, I you, we have to assume that Coach Peterson's involved in this in some way, shape, or form. But I, I could probably—I'll tell you who three of them are. Um, Three—it's uh, going to be Jen Cohen, it's going to be Chris Peterson, and Jason Budakofer, who's the associate athletic director that they brought from Purdue. And if I had to guess who a fourth was, it would be Jay Hellebrands, who's another uh, associate athletic director. Those would be the four. And Jay Hellebrands could easily be uh, replaced by uh, Anna Marie Cousset. And so, so you want, so you believe that she's not necessarily looking outside. She doesn't have anybody, not just one person outside of UW, uh, outside of that particular circle. Because obviously Peterson, Coach Pete's still within the circle, very much so. I think it's well, my- those, uh, those four people in the search committee. And the search committee doesn't even really know who they're honed in on. They're just saying, hey, we want these guys vetted. Well, yeah, the way I understand how the search committee is going to probably get used is that they'll be used as more of a vetting yeah. um, vehicle than than actually nominating coaches no. or, or that kind of thing. No, they're just take an example, take a Luke Fickle, you know, talk to his employer, talk to his current 
previous employer, take a look at his contract details, see what his buyout amount is, and uh, they want to make sure that there's no um, uh, red flags in his background, you know, any arrests, any DUIs pending, anything like that. So, um, you know, that's what those vetting services do. I mean, can you imagine hiring a coach and then after you hire him, find out that there's he's got some skeletons in his closet? They're looking for skeletons. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. No, and that's why it's also kind of interesting, the timing of all this thing, because I I feel pretty confident in thinking that, you know, maybe hopefully at least a week before the mid-year signing period, because I think absolutely this hire has to happen before the mid-year signing period. It just I just don't see any option or any way where this goes beyond that time that ends up being a positive for Washington. I'm pretty confident in saying that, um, it will be after championship weekend, which is the, uh, date of the, um, Pac-12 like, championship game. Yeah. So the weekend, the weekend after the Apple Cup, all the conferences have their championship games. And I would guess if I had to put money on it, according to those that I talked to that I trust, and it makes a lot of sense because I, I've been told that some of the candidates that are looking at it are still in, you know, involved in that, which makes a lot of sense too. I would guess Probably somewhere between that Sunday after the Pac-12 championship game and Wednesday, just somewhere in there would be my guess is when we're going to have uh, a name on that and a decision. Does that make yeah, sense? So, so essentially, yeah. So essentially, we're talking about the first weekend in January. So it'd be two weekends uh, from now. December. December. First weekend in January. Excuse me. First weekend in December. So essentially, two weekends from today. When you said January, which poster yeah. would be most likely to spit their beer through their nose? On yeah, no, no, I meant December. You can, you can all right, fun. I'll edit that right. out. No, you all don't right. have to edit it out, Chris. Just, <laughs> just leave it in there. Yeah, um, people need. Oh, to I'm going to edit all this out too. Okay. Yeah, let's 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 wrap this up. I've got to get back to Denver, uh, and uh, so uh, just final thoughts on the game, Chris. Yeah, unfortunate, uh, you know, I, I really did think that they were going to be able to get some things done offensively. And as it turned out, they did, but, uh, a lot of it undone, obviously with, with the, with the huge turnovers. I can't remember a game where Washington has won with a minus four turnover differential. I, I don't know if they ever have. I'm sure they probably have at some point, but, um, it really is kind of symptomatic of the entire season in a nutshell. Um, a lot of good work ultimately undone by some, some, some carelessness. Some discipline issues and, um, unfortunately they're not bowl eligible and that's the huge kind of takeaway from this game. And I, and I hope that they can find something in themselves to muster up what they need for the Apple Cup because that's always a massive in-state game and, uh, there's going to be a lot, uh, riding on it for them if, if nothing more than just some pride. Scott Eklund, final thoughts? Well, just to answer Chris's question, I, uh, I, when I played NCAA 2014, one of my teams won a game pretty easily going 0 for 4 on turnovers. But anyway, um, I, I just, there's not much you can say. I mean, four turnovers, missed field goal. That's all I, I count all those as I count that as turnovers too. I, Washington needs to do better and, and they need to be better. They're a better team. They're a more talented team than this. And is it all on Dylan Morris's shoulders? No, he's not making people better though. That's the problem. He's not elevating this team. And, um, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out as a starter and who plays the most in the, uh, in the Apple Cup because Washington, 
they they really need to get a win over Washington State to send them into the offseason on a positive note. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I'm just kind of looking forward to get to the offseason, watch how recruiting goes, and, and see this new staff get in here. Basketball coming up starting on Friday. They have three games. I don't know the teams. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, they've got games Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday back in South Dakota, a tournament back there. We have the Apple Cup on Friday and a basketball game again Saturday. Uh against Winthrop, uh, which is always uh, a really good basketball team. So uh, four games in the next week for UW Hoops. And just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, and we will get you hooked up. One game left. You know, I wish the best for the kids and uh, bring on Sam Heward. So anyways, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons, and now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.